The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. You are all most fortunate. In the entire town of Hamelburg, we have selected you six for a course in loyalty to the Third Reich. For our first lesson, since you are so lovely, my dear, why do we not commence with you, eh? Tell me about the destruction of the Hamelburg Bridge. Herr Colonel! We found this in the attic. Uh-huh. A shortwave radio, eh? Perhaps this was up there to amuse the pigeons, eh? I know nothing about it. Oh, I am sure. But we have ways of increasing your knowledge. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, January 24th, 2019. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be I'm joined in studio by Paul Lambert, who happens to be one of our sponsors, and matter of fact, one of our key sponsors of Just Right. He's a gentleman who has made it possible for Just Right to be heard on shortwave. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you very much, Bob. And before we get underway, don't forget you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, and follow us on SoundCloud, hear us on WBCQ and Channel 292 Shortwave, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, and of course, all of our archive broadcasts. And Paul, um, this whole thing with Shortwave... You know, that was a totally new thing to us. We didn't even know shortwave existed until you gave us a call one day and said, would you guys like to be on shortwave after you heard we got kicked off of CHRW (laughs) way back when here in London. Uh, By the way, Paul is visiting in London from Berlin, and we'll be talking a little bit about that as well. But what whatever got you interested in shortwave? How, and, you, and of course, you did your original show, VSI International, on shortwave for a while, right. which yeah. is how you became familiar with the medium. What brought your attention to that? And well, I was I've actually been aware of shortwave for much longer before then. I, I took up an interest in, in radio uh, as a science, uh, young playing actually with old television sets and seeing what I could pick up at a distance. And what was most interesting is uh, the early '80s. You had the old uh, television sets. You could turn onto the UHF dial, mm-hmm. the high register. And by then, that was no longer used for television, but for the cordless telephones. And so if you had an old set, you could turn to these channels. You could listen to your neighbor's telephone calls. Really? Yes. I, don't, I didn't think of the legality of it. But should we be telling people that? Can you still oh, do well, that? I don't know if those televisions <laughs> are still used, but, yeah, but in principle, it should still be possible. But you asked, that's how I got interested. And also, I, I was fascinated by certain things, how at nighttime you could hear more distant AM stations than you could during the day. And so I just got interested in that and think, or really got into shortwave itself an interest probably by my early teens. Got a shortwave radio, just started listening, and it was really fascinating just how one little small box that you could hear something from every continent on just one tiny little box. And mm. uh, a lot of people don't believe it. They still don't believe it now. They 
He said, oh, I had a radio, I had television. You couldn't get anything more than about 50 miles away. But, but uh, you know, I was there uh, talking about it, and I thought it was in on a big secret. But that's how I got interested in shortwave. And I kept up with it when I moved to Iceland, and then went up to Sweden, and I went to Germany. The shortwave sort of kept you connected to the whole world. Now, of course, you started here in London. You were a Euro correspondent when we were at CHRW for a while there. And uh, now you live in Berlin. Right. I understand in what was formerly East Berlin. Yes. Now, I would think that would have an interesting history around you there and some certain dynamics that would not be in West Berlin. Why, why, East Ber- the, why the East part instead of the West? Was that because it was more accessible or easier to move there? Or? Well, no, not really. And not for that reason. Uh, by the time I got there, mm-hmm. about three years ago, I mean, East Berlin had been very much gentrified and built up. It was actually quite a central suburb, and uh, a lot, a lot of people go there. It's uh, a lot of in demand. Uh, is, it, is it very Westernized now, if well, I can put it that way? Yeah, in in the sense of being a Western country, but still, there's a big divide between uh, West Berlin and East Berlin. In a lot of ways, there's some very obvious things you can see from space. Even what part was still West Berlin, and what was really? East Berlin? Yes, because in West Berlin, the street lights were that bright white color. Mm. And in East Berlin and East Germany generally, the lights were this amber sort of orange color. And you can see from space that the part of Berlin that's blinking white, yeah, that's West Berlin. Wow. And, and that's, just, that's just one thing. But also um, the Berliners themselves, uh, they feel a bit of a pressure from the gentrification. Now, they understand, I think, at some level that uh, the development of any community needs gentrification, but it puts certain pressures on the people who are already there. Mm-hmm. And so the native Berliners are moving more and more out to the outskirts of town, while as people from other parts of West Germany and the rest of the world come into what was East Berlin and rebuild it up and improve it. And uh, so it's actually quite a... It, where I live is actually the most expensive postal code in uh, in Berlin. Wow. <laughs> No, of course, you're, that way. You're, you're basically, for a living, you, you do translations now. Obviously, That's living in all those countries, you must speak several languages. Uh, yes, but I work, only with the, I work only with the Scandinavian languages and English, so Swedish, Norwegian, Danish. Like in, uh, yeah. So English, French, German, Latin I studied, Icelandic, and then those other languages I mentioned. I, I can speak fairly fluently yeah. in those. I imagine. Mm-hmm. Now, living in Berlin, you must get an interesting view of the whole German situation. We hear about Germany over here and Angela Merkel and all the issues with immigration mm-hmm. and the Muslim issue and, the, and um, the lack of being able to get accurate news. Is all that true? It's all, it's, if it's not true, it's only worse than you think. Really? <laughs> that, and, and, uh, what are you seeing yourself? Well, what I see on a day-to-day basis, you really don't see a lot. It's just a normal thing. But when things do start up, what you'll see, for instance, in a town called Chemnitz, there was a, it was a kind of a demonstration, a, you know, it was peaceful, of people who were, were, it was a sort of anti-immigration sentiment, but their concern was all the criminality and how it's affecting society. But of course, the news comes up and calls it right away a Nazi demonstration. They use those words, no quotation marks, anything. They just use their, their evaluation and made it a fact. Mm-hmm. These are Nazis. And then, but if you actually go talk to them, no one is like, advocating for gas chambers or starting a war. With it. It's, it's nothing to do with that. It's just a way of smearing anyone who disagrees with the established left. Oh, that's just like yeah. here. Well, it, it's like everywhere. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's a global culture in that thing. Now, I did want to say something about Angela Merkel. Uh, she's had this job for a very long time now. 
And she was seen generally across the spectrum as being broadly conservative, rather reliable as a person in her job, whether you agreed with her politics or not. Um, what we're seeing is that she's become soft on the issue, and people don't like all the, this immigration, but she lets them all in. It's, you have to remember that uh, she, she never had any children. She never had any grandchildren. So mm-hmm. she has no vested interest in the future of her country. So I've heard that observation being made yes. about a lot of people on the left yes. in general. Well, her only vested interest now is to you know, have a peaceful time while she's still in office and not get harassed too much by the left and just have a retirement. And like she said, she doesn't have to think that far into the future. She's already in her early 60s. And I mean, it, it seems shallow. People try to overanalyze it. Why is she doing this? Why is she not? I don't think it's any deeper than that. I really don't. People say like, she just doesn't want to be called a Nazi or doesn't want to be called racist for saying no. That may be part of it, but it's only part of the, the greater thing of just trying to keep everything calm in her life while she now, finishes now, how, this job. How are Germans in general, at least in, in, in your circles, reacting mm-hmm. to the whole Brexit situation with, um, with May in, yeah. in Britain and wanting to separate from the EU? Well, the people I've talked to have been rather rather negative to it. People have chosen to say anything. Now, you have to remember as well... Negative to Brexit. Ne- negative yeah. to Brexit. Negative to the idea of Britain leaving the European Union. You have to remember, on the other hand, though, Germany is a country you can't really say what you think. You can't really speak your mind. Because if you don't hold the mainstream view, you, know, you, you become ostracized. You, you, know, people, you, know, you can lose your job. You, people don't talk to you anymore. How long so, has it know, been like that there? Probably, well since I've been there, I think. It is just getting worse since these, these topics have become more, more urgent. But, uh, yeah, well, that's how it's getting here yeah, now, too. I know you haven't been to Canada for a while, but we're getting like that, too, yeah. and we're having all sorts of um, you know, hints that we're going to have to not, not be allowed to talk about certain issues, particularly the immigration and Islamist issue, or Donald Trump, anything to do with Donald Trump. I imagine they hate him in Germany, do they? No, the ones who, who say anything do. Yeah. But I'll, what, what my evidence for, for what I th- why I think what you're saying is true is, like, for instance, I remember during the, the presidential election in the United States, there were some polls coming out giving Hillary Clinton a 90% chance of winning and things like that. And clearly, whoever, even if these polls are honest, people aren't being honest to the polls. They aren't speaking their mind. They feel... They fear reprisals mm-hmm. for, for having an opinion that's not in line with the mainstream view. And thank, in my view, hope, thankfully, the American people themselves were brave enough when they got to the polls to vote their minds, and you had the result they did. But uh, it, it's true, in Germany and Europe, there is a, a set orthodoxy. Now, I'm, I'm the opposite because I, I know I can lose a lot of friends, mm-hmm. but then you gain more sincere friends from corners you never expected. Someone else will hear you say, yeah, yeah Paul. The worst kind of support you can get are people who don't say anything in a crowd, but then come up to you pro- like privately and say, yeah, Paul, I actually I agree with you. So I'm like, oh, where were you and I needed you? Don't, right, don't no, I, 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 know, I understand that <laughs> yes. completely. So. Of course, I'm of German descent myself, mm-hmm. so I have relatives in Germany. And without mentioning the name of any particular newspaper, I have a couple of them that work in the newspaper industry. And they have relayed to me, through my mother who talks to them Mm -hmm. in German, that a lot of things they're not allowed to report, including many uh, sort of Islamist riots that could be even happening in the street. And, And my uncle told my mother that if we had a riot right down the street below our our offices here, we would not be allowed to report on it as such. Is, is, that, is there any truth to Absolutely that? Absolutely is true, and I, I, I have a personal, personal account of that as well. It was a few, 
this was two years ago, there was a Christmas market down our street, and there had already been a, a terrorist attack in another Christmas market, and people were on edge. It's like to pretend like we're not really afraid of terrorism. Now, what happened, there was a sudden explosion in the market. The market was crowded with people, and just everyone just ran in the opposite direction. There was a big black cloud of smoke came. Everyone just ran. They dropped their purses, their coats, their bags, their prams, and just ran like crazy because mm-hmm. we were truly in fear of our lives. And of course, it wasn't smart. Typically, you run away from an explosion. And if it were a terrorist act, they've got another bomb waiting for everyone to run into it. But you right. didn't think of that. You're, 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 it's just primal. Your, your reaction is right, just sure. primal. You just run. Now, as it turns out, it was just an accident. What happened was the, the, you know, there was one of these stands selling hot food and the, one of the propane tanks had exploded. Mm-hmm. And you know, so no one really got hurt. Now, is, yeah. that, is that just uh, the, the truth? Do you know that that's Oh, I was there. Oh, you oh, were there. Okay, there, so yes. you know that that oh, yes, was the oh, case. Yes. Okay. But, but my point is I'm making is, like, yeah, a hundred, maybe thousands of people feared for their lives. And the news reported, the news reported this incident, and the police commented how proud they were, how calm everyone remained, that there was no danger, and that, this, you know, the market continued very shortly after, and... How great it was that the people of Berlin are mature enough to handle this. It was a complete lie. We <laughs> ran for our lives. And I was like, your life, you know. Like one of those yeah. scenes you see on TV, right? Oh, oh, yes. It was nuts, just people streaming out. And I was like, it's, if you've almost been killed in an accident, that's scary enough. But when you ever truly believe someone's trying to kill you, you don't, like, you don't look at life the same way again. No, I imagine. And uh, so to answer this question, I, I know if you, want, if you want to get the real news in Berlin, you can't listen to the radio. You have to listen to the police scanner. Then you get real news. Now, Mr. Gallagher, I think I mentioned to you that the dean was greatly impressed with your news story. And he believes that anyone with your natural ability should be allowed the privilege of taking on extra work. That's the proposition? Yes. Think of it. Why, it's a chance for you to practically cover two semesters in one. No, 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 I... Well, you'd have to have private instruction. Oh, I'd work very closely with you. Well, in that case... Uh... Um, do you have any free time during the day? No, I'm afraid we'd have to work together at night. All right. On your way out, Miss Fuller can set up an appointment schedule for you. Now, let's see. What sort of thing would you like to tackle next? Well, I... See, I uh, want you to get the feel of investigative reporting. To learn to root out the hidden reasons and facts. Expand that piece you wrote. Do an interpretive follow-up of about 2,000 words. 2,000? That's an awful lot of work, isn't it? Yes, it is. But as my father used to say, a reporter has to do a lot of sweating before he earns the right to perspire. Hey, you keep mentioning your father. What did he do? He ran a country newspaper. Well, of course, I don't know much about this sort of thing, but my friend I told you about, you know, the reporter? Mm. He says nobody's interested in a rehash like this. After all, it happened a week ago. Doing another story on it would be like uh, trying to make a salad out of old lettuce. Uh, uh, excuse me for saying this, Mr. Gallagher, but your friend's kind of reporting went out with prohibition. No, This uh... isn't a rehash. I'm talking about the big why behind the story. This is the function of a newspaper in today's world. Why, TV and radio announce spot news minutes after it happens. Newspapers can't compete in reporting what happened anymore, but they can and should tell the public why it happened. What made your story so interesting? I'll tell you. It was Solace's reason for firing the gun. Listen to this. When he threw the money at me, I don't know, 
People have been throwing things in my face all my life. I guess I couldn't take it no more. But he said it on the spot. It tied in with the story. Young Salas gave a vague, bitter, tormented reason. But behind that why are a hundred other whys. One on top of another, they led to violence. Was it because he's a member of a minority group, struggling to solve the complex problem of assimilation? Did society at large create the climate for this tragedy? Mr. Gallagher, out there in the city are some of the answers. The files of the immigration department, the dark shadows of Central Park, the tenements, the overcrowded schools, the jails, the police stations. And it's your job to try to find them. You know, that's the kind of thing you read when you're waiting in a dentist's office. The guy who fights his way on a subway every night after a hard day's work hangs onto a strap with one hand and a newspaper with the other doesn't want to wade through a dull explanation. The man on the subway is a lot more curious than you think. You ask anybody, except that outdated reporter friend of yours, and you'll find that today the average man wants to know why. Please, Mr. Gallagher, won't you try writing it? All right. prisoner immediately Herr Commandant. Uh, this new prisoner Hogan was shot down along with the film that you have just seen and I've had some talks with him today about my own little cinematic project and I am pleased to announce to you that he has indicated his total cooperation gentlemen may I present Major Byron Buckle hello chaps anyone for autographs <laughs> Why couldn't they shoot down Lana Turner? Well, we just can't let him do it. I mean, how's it gonna look? America's sweetheart making a propaganda movie for the Nazis? Colonel Hogan will think of something. I have confidence. Trouble with Colonel Hogan is he's too soft-hearted. If America's sweetheart is a traitor, we gotta do away with America's sweetheart, right, Carter? of great importance. Later, Schultz. Now, will the prisoner please come in? Danke. Carry on, men. I don't intend to stand on rank. For your information, Buckles, a colonel outranks a major. Colonel Hogan, Commandant Klink has placed Major Buckles under my personal and special protection. I'm directly responsible that nothing, absolutely nothing, happens to Major Buckles. Nothing is going to happen to Major Buckles. Of course not, Schultz. Just like nothing happened to Benedict Arnold, because we didn't catch him. Carter, I'm warning you. Furthermore, I'm imploring you. I don't quite understand, chaps. My men are upset with you, Buckles, doing a propaganda film for the Germans. They are, but it sounded like such a good part. Get him out of here, Schultz. My orders are to remain with this man at all times, at all times. I'm very happy for both of you. Wait a minute, Hogan. I'm beginning to get your drift. You mean that uh, public relations-wise, it might be bad for my image to make this film, huh? It's Colonel Hogan, and I couldn't care less. I like that. I like that. I like a man who looks after my interests. Very good, Hogan. I won't do it. Wait a minute. 
do it. I'll be the director. What? Hold on, Colonel. Why? Colonel, you're going to direct a German propaganda movie? That's right. Uh, excuse me, please, Colonel Hogan. Colonel Hogan, I, I know from experience, when you decide to do something which looks good for the Germans, it's bad for the Germans, am I right? Uh, keep going, Schultz. Now, what's bad for the Germans, you're about to explain to my personal charge, the movie star major. Yeah, it's possible. What do you think you should do, Schultz? I know nothing! I see nothing! Now, Paul, you just wanted to add another observation to the whole immigration issue in Merkel and the EU. I found that your observation was very interesting between left and right. Because I recall way back when, even if you go back to the 1980s and you listen to episodes of Yes, Minister. Oh, yes. They were already just tearing into the whole concept of the EU and, and sort of exposing it for what it was quite accurately at the time, I might add. No, I think so. And uh, I'll remind listeners, I thought it was very Orwellian how the EU was first, well, 1992 is when it first sort of came into the form that it is now, far fewer member states. But it was very much the, the conservative sort of views who saw it as a, you know, sort of an economic union sort of opportunity. And it was the conservative views that were more in, in favor of the EU. And it was like the left-wing ideas, the socialists, environmentalists, mm-hmm. green parties. They were so against it, especially in Sweden. I know they were, they were against it right until the very end. So it's really, it doesn't seem anyone quite remembers now, uh, you know, in the face of Brexit and other sort of EU skeptical views. It's typically like other, you know, right-wing, generally speaking, uh, conservative, populist ideas who are against the EU. And it's the socialists who are fighting tooth and nail to preserve it at all costs. Well, that's interesting. That seems to be a global observation because it's kind of the same here now. I remember when the whole free trade issue came in under Mulroney, Mm -hmm. right? It was the conservatives into it. That's right. And the left was totally opposed to it. And today, look at the difference. It's the opposite way. Right? I, I didn't know offhand, but uh, I, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Well, in the sense of especially the sovereignty issue mm-hmm. and having confused immigration with free trade, two yes. different things, right? All of a sudden, open borders for goods became open borders for people just to move in. And these are two you know, non sequitur concepts, really. And I don't think most of the people have clued in yet. <laughs> no, there's, there's, a few, there's a few instances when that's... Uh, that's sort of confused when it talks about sovereignty. I remember when, uh, I think about 12 years ago, and the, there was a war in, in, uh, between Israel and Lebanon, and there's a bunch of Canadian citizens stuck in Lebanon, and they were talking about the Canadian government having to rescue them. And I don't think that's what the idea of sovereignty is. The idea is if, if you're within Canadian territory and you're a Canadian citizen, you have a right to stay. If you can make your way from Lebanon, then you have a right to come to Canada. But I don't think Canada had a an obligation, obligation to go in, you know, that's not what sovereignty is about. And, uh, it, it's interesting, though, as far as the EU goes, um, I don't, I, I can certainly understand why different countries would want to have some of the ad hoc conference, you know, freedom of trade, even freedom of movement, sure. if it works. And you don't have to create another level of government. I mean, you can look at the Nordic states, you know, as reluctant as I am to praise the Nordic states about anything, but they have a very close conference and people can move back and forth, work there. They even integrate their social welfare systems. 
There's no central no. authority no, no, overseeing no, that no, and, and no, there's, prohibiting there's, it? There's, no, there's particular, like if, if you've collected, I mean, not that we're so much fans of social welfare, but it's just an example mm-hmm. of how you can integrate very complex systems between countries without adding another level of government or impinging on your own sovereignty. So I would have liked to have seen the EU become something more like that, just very highly independent states, but the people within them are, are free to move and, and trade. But, uh, you know, it, it didn't have to... It's it sort of almost yeah. become turned from an economic block into a political block. Yes. And that, and that becomes a political block Yeah, and maybe, <laughs> that's, and maybe that's why it's switched between the left <laughs> right. and right. It, it's, oh. uh, that could be why, why it's like that. Now, when you last visited London, um, at least to appear on the show, we were still up at CHRW, and I believe at that time you weren't living in Germany, you were living in Sweden. Is that That's correct? Right. That's right. And you told us a nightmare story at the time. I'm not sure which episode it is, but you can check it online about your television. This, oh, this seems on the lighter side, <laughs> but um, your television adventures there in Sweden and apparently people peeking into your house to see if you own a TV set so you could pay the TV tax and you didn't own a, own a TV set and they were chasing you around. And so you thought you got away from all that when you went to Germany, but apparently it's worse there? Well, a few weeks ago, I, I got a letter in the mail from the, the TV license people. Now, when I first moved to Germany, they said, well, it's about... T- TV license? TV people? license. Excuse me? What? what? TV okay. license? In, in <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm taking it for granted. Yeah. In order legally to own a television in your house in many European countries, it's even worse in Germany, as explained, you, you have to have a license to have that TV. Now, you have to understand, that's just to have the right to have a television. It doesn't get you cable TV or anything special. You have to buy that extra if you want. But if you own a television set and it's in your house, you need to have permission from the government to own it. And you pay a license. And that goes to fund the, so they, they call it the public service television, like non-commercial television. And the idea is that... Well, TV just, just out of yeah, curiosity, yeah. what would happen to somebody if they were caught with a TV and they didn't have a license? I mean, I can't imagine well, such a thing. I, I got a pile of old TVs sitting in my closet. <laughs> well, in, if you go in, you know, in England, you have to go to court. In Sweden, you just have to start paying. Uh, in Germany, I'll explain, it's, it's a lot different. But uh, yeah, that's the idea. The idea is that, uh, which I don't agree with this idea at all, but the idea is that if a TV broadcaster, radio broadcaster, doesn't have to rely on commercial sponsorship, then he can be more objective because he's not beholden to anything, and, which, which I don't find is true. It just simply reflects the biases of the people producing the television, and they are not beholden to anyone else. Hey, They're there's an old saying, he who pays a piper calls that, a tune, right. and it doesn't matter he who pay, pays a piper who that is. And, and, if the, and you know, if, if we're the ones paying the piper, if we have no choice but to pay, he doesn't have to listen to us anyway, so no. there's no... And I'm, look, I'm not against bias. Let's just call yeah. it for what it is. You know, we're, we're biased. We have our of own course. view. And we hope the objective facts hold that bias. Well, that's but what the, truth is about. You yeah. start with the bias and you work from there. Yeah, exactly. That's how I know what I'm dealing with, right? And I'll listen to a left-winger as much as a right-winger if I can trust that he's, you know, honest in every other respect, yes. right? But I mean, also in the view that the private TV channels in Germany, they, they, have, the same, they have the same political view anyway, so yeah. we're not getting anything else. But I'll tell you what's different to get to the Germany, okay. what, what really struck me. I was told within about six weeks after moving to Germany, you'll get a letter from the, the TV license authorities. Now, I didn't hear anything for years, and then I finally got one of these letters. And, uh, you know, my so you'd ger- already been living there for well, years and never three, got not, your letter. Goodness, but I finally got a letter three years late, and I mean, my Germans aren't that good. I, I read it, but I, I answered them. I said, okay, 
I don't have a television, and you know, I came from Sweden. If you don't have a television, you're not supposed to pay the license. Is it different here? And I was going to be perfectly honest. Yes, I have a radio. Yes, I have internet. If the law says I need to pay, then fine, I'll start paying. Just write me back. Tell me what you want to do. And so they write me back before long, and they say, oh, thank you very much for your information. And just sounding a little too kind. <laughs> I knew some, some bad news is going to come up. And this is how, and I couldn't have known this, it doesn't matter whether you have a television or not in Germany. Every single household has to pay a television license because the argument is that even if you yourself don't benefit from television, you benefit from living in a society where people have access to non-biased information. Well, that's about as collectivist a reason it's, I've it's ever heard ridiculous. in my life. Oh, but it's worse. Every household has to pay a license. Then an employer has to pay a license according to the number of employees he has. So it's double dipping because the employer in his home pays and his employees pays, but then the employer pays again. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. You're telling me that has an employer has to pay a TV tax yes. based on, on his employees? Number of employees. So listen, uh, listen to this, people, because if you're in a country where this isn't going, this is how nutty it can get, right? In an age of the Internet, there's where everything should be going private in, in any case, right, if you want to trust the information. But, but carry on. This is a nightmare. I'm afraid it's worse, Bob. And then if your company has any company cars, you have to pay a license according to the number of cars you have. And so the car rental companies in particular really got hit. <laughs> and so the price to rent a car today in Germany is much higher than other countries. And you don't realize it, it's but because they're paying for everyone else's television. <laughs> That, you know, that's amazing. I, I sit here and I, I'm always amazed by what new excuses governments who spend money profligately, you know, who can't keep a hold on their budgets, have to invent. What reasons yeah. they have to invent to keep taxing people. Like right now here, I don't know how bad it is in Germany. Maybe that's something we should talk about too, the whole green movement and climate change. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's to us a BS story just to get some taxes out of us, right? And I think it would be far more honest just to say, we're going to raise your taxes. Done. You know? And then I don't have to deal with your lies. But the fact that you're constantly emphasizing that you're lying to me in the process makes me mistrust you so yes. greatly. I, I have disrespect to the root for anybody that starts spewing that crap at me, okay? Now, that sounds like the same thing and the same phenomenon, like, well, we need money, so, well, what can we tax? Is <laughs> Oh, and you have to, have to remember to the, the, the TV companies, they're not, uh, they aren't run by the government. They're, they're private companies, but they have a charter to, you know, basically extort everyone for this mm -hmm. money. And so, you know, I as a person... Well, that's the being, same yeah, thing. Well, it just means I, as someone being extorted, I have no recourse to the law to, to fight against this. Now, when I got this letter, right, and they answered me, but my answer to them, and I, I try not to be too threatening or sound bad, but I just said, please, whatever you do in your letter... Don't quote me the law because, you know, you're using the law against me. So don't, like, don't, it's the law that's letting you do something wrong and don't then claim okay, well, it's I'll, the law. I bet they appreciated that. Yeah. Well, I hope they appreciate <laughs> that, but I'm, I'm sure they'll write back saying, according to this paragraph, this period, you have to pay a license. Well, that's very self-serving. That means you don't have to justify it yourself. You're, this is a law you lobbied for. Now you're not explaining it. You're just saying that's the law. Right. <laughs> but, um, but what I said is like, yeah, from now on, let this be reasonable. From now on, if you want me to pay, from now on, I'll pay it. And it's about 15, uh, 17 euros a month or something. But what they want is they want me to pay back all the months since uh, I came to Germany. So suddenly I have a bill for 630 euros. That's almost $1,000. And, you know, 
first of all, it, they have to bear, I think in my mind, they have to bear a little bit responsibility themselves. It took them that long to find me. I haven't been hiding. I'm not hard to find. I'm listed in every catalog and everything. And did you, know, did you know about this before? I know, and I don't have a telly. I had, there's no way I right. could have known this. Right. So you know, saying, it took you that long. And so what I'm saying is, if you get the right person at these authorities, sometimes it can be a bit, bit reasonable. It was the same with my health insurance, too. And they said, well, okay, from now on, mm-hmm. you'll pay, but we will we'll waive the, the six. And 630 euros, for, and I don't even have a television. Yeah. And that, but that's the situation. So they don't come around to the house anymore checking to see you have the television because it doesn't matter. If you have a household, you have to pay the television license. Interesting. I've been working on a little surprise for you. Oh, naughty or nice? Close your eyes. <laughs> I like it already. <laughs> come on. So what do you think? A television set! Circa 1956. I replicated the components, but I assembled it myself. This is the remote control. You select what you want to watch by pressing this button. A slight problem. There were no remote controls in the 1950s. I took a little poetic license. Hmm. Cartoon! I found them in the ship's database. Vacuum action! Mop, mop, don't stop. What's that? Now that is called a jingle. According to the research I did, they inserted them into the entertainment programs. I know, it's confusing, but I kept them in for authenticity. I even replicated popcorn. Everything is perfect, except for one tiny detail. What? You forgot the beer. I can fix that. The same Jessica. What? Processing. Logan, I was afraid you'd been caught in their force field. Jessica, don't you know what's happened to you? Yes. I'm with my people. They did process you before they threw you out. You are cast outs. To the fingertips. They're lying. I say they die. That gun. Where did you get that gun? Where I got mine. We stole them from the positives. (laughs) Well done. One day we'll fight them with their own weapons. Welcome, castouts. Modoc, easy, Logan. That's far enough. Can we talk? <laughs> These matters are better settled by hand-to-hand combat. It's not about her. 
It's about all of you. Don't listen to him. Quiet, quiet, girl. Talk. Do you enjoy being a cast out? Living as you do? Would you have something better to offer me? To live as they live, in the city. <laughs> cast outs living like positives? But aren't you one and the same? No. No, we are processed. What if the process could be reversed? Oh. All of us, one again, as we once were? Yes. It's a dream. We could never go back to the city. My friend Rem here is able to neutralize the force field. A small talent, really. Modoc, they lied to you. They haven't been processed. And Logan's friend. You know what he is? He isn't human at all. He's a machine with a human face. Is that true? I'm afraid so, yes. Now give me a reason to trust you. Because you hate what you are. What you've become. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. It is thanks to our financial supporters, like Paul Lambert, that it is possible for us to continue on our journey in the right direction and to share our programming with you. Visit www.justrightmedia.org or go directly to paypal.me slash justrightmedia to offer your financial support. And while you're there, be sure to sample our archive broadcasts featuring an array of timeless discussions of all things just right about freedom and capitalism. Now, Paul, during the break, you made an interesting observation that I had no idea was, you know, part of what was going on in Europe. And, and you were talking about some sort of schism starting between men and women or something like this, or did I understand that correctly? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, if, you, if People who are old enough to remember back, uh, you know, it's a bit of a caricature. People are against the whole 50s idea of, you know, there's the good man, and they called it patriarchy and all these terrible things now. But... Uh, Men and women both sort of had to be good to attract each other. Like, uh, mm-hmm. A man had to you know, have a good living and be responsible, and a woman tried to be pretty and be a good mother and that. And we're starting to lose that now w- with the welfare state because women more and more now are married to the state and not to men. Mm-hmm. Their husband is just maybe something on the side They're, because they can dump him any time and live off the welfare benefits. Well, I've argued for years that the whole point of the feminist movement was to make women less dependent on men and fully dependent on the state. But they're dependent on men and because it's the men who are the tax cattle. Yeah. And it's simply the sure. state that does, no bu- getting away does from the it. butchering for, for Not them. Not the yeah. least. And you also have to mention that other women are paying those taxes, well, too, yeah, including women who don't agree with the philosophy. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying as an overall phenomenon, what mm-hmm. we see there's the impetus is in, toward, is in that direction. That, and, and it's, it's a slow but it's a, a sure sort of vicious cycle because women don't longer have to pick a good man. They, can, they wonder why women like the bad boys, but they don't need a good man to survive on, so they, ha- they can afford to go with the bad boys. Mm-hmm. And then so men have no incentive to be good men because they won't get any women. The bad boys are getting the women. And so then the women, then, they have no interest in the good men. So you see it gets a bit worse and worse. People don't care about their appearance or their dress so much anymore. And there's this uh, phenomenon, you might have heard about it here, I think they call it MGTOW, men going their own way. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure that's really a thing outside the internet, 
but I can see that, you know, it, we do have a phenomenon now where men are starting to dislike women. I don't mean like the sexist jokes and things. No. I think really deep down they are thinking of not getting married, not having women in their lives altogether, just sitting around playing video games, maybe watching porn. Or they're, they're finding alternatives to having women in their lives. They come up with arguments that, now I'm not on board with their movement at all, but it's not coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. In, in sort of divorce and uh, like in child custody cases, it, it, the law is very much on the side of women. And, you know, I mean, what really, you know, what man is going to come up with the idea of marriage in, you know, in the, the modern European sense? Like, I can only have sex with you, and if it doesn't work, you get half my things. Like, no man came up with an idea like no. that. So it, it's sad, but that is very much, it's a new thing. And Aren't men women, sort of as dependent on the state as women, or is there, or do you see a... There is some, but not not as a whole. I, I think this phenomenon could be explained, you know, in general senses. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking in the broadest sense. I'm seeing this. And it's, uh, it's women who vote for the left more, and it's men. It, it's like this, you see. Women who are independent on the state will vote for the left because they get benefits from the state. But a married woman who's dependent on her husband will vote conservative for lower taxes because if her husband gets to keep more of his earnings, she gets more of his earnings. So, you know, really I put this all, you know, without at risk of being misunderstood, I put this squarely at the foot of women. And it is about gaining resources. Now, how does that... uh mesh with the whole immigration situation with so many people of the Muslim faith coming in who have a very different view, I think, in terms of family and men and women. But is it the same phenomenon or is there a different phenomenon taking place? Well, well, I see uh, within their own community, I, I really can't say. But what we're seeing now is more and more because men, because being a man, a manly man is not worth it and it's looked down on more. Mm-hmm more and more men are becoming effeminate. And so these big bad guys coming from the Muslim world, women in Europe like it. For some reason, they're attracted. And so many of you know, native European women are getting married or hooking up with these Muslim immigrants. That's fascinating, yeah. especially considering that most of the immigrants are, I understand, male. Yes, they, they but, they come, but they're coming to get the benefits as well. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, part of the social yeah. benefits again from mm-hmm. the state. Now, how, that can't go on forever. Oh, well, no, it can't. So but are Germans coming to their senses yet, or is yes, anybody waking yes, up? Yes, some and all, but there's, so much, but there's so much resistance as well, because people right now in this very moment, they benefit, many, so many people benefit from this. That's why they want to bring more immigrants in who like, are you know, unemployable, basically, because it's guaranteed votes for the left in the future because they'll just get benefits. But if they're unemployable, where's the money coming from for all these it doesn't. It doesn't matter. If you're on the left, it doesn't matter. They have, you know yourself... So Germany is heading for another Holocaust? Possibly, not just Germany. No, but, you know, I understand. I mean, they're the ones in the in the driver's seat for their jurisdiction, so it's up to them to do something about it. Um have you seen any particular reactions to what America is doing right now with Donald Trump and his, you know, new visions for new relationships with Europe and, and even with Russia and that kind of thing? Are you hearing any of that in the news? I know you don't have TV. No, but <laughs> no, personally, I, I, I don't hear it. But I'll just say generally, um, 
you know, without making a statement, whether you like Trump or not, the only things I hear people saying either on the media or in the street about Donald Trump, if they're against him, is just mockery. It's not actually real points, not real arguments. Yeah. Very, very it's all it ever is. It's, it's, it's all mockery. And that's supposed to be the end of the discussion. And it's not, it's not for Donald Trump's sake that makes me upset. It's for the, our own sake that we're yes. not thinking more carefully. This is actually a really important time that we you think carefully about what the it's future is. It's the same That's here. It. It's really funny. My mother just told me an interesting incident a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. She still attends the German-Canadian club, and uh, they talk the same way about Trump. And they just have this hatred of Trump and this love of Merkel. Like, like, and they're not even there. And they, but they do not have a single reason that they can cite yeah. for either their love of Merkel or of their hatred of Trump, Trump, right? Yeah. And that sounds like the same thing you're going through there. Well, I hate to, th- I hate to say it. it's become like talking about the weather. It's just a way. It's an icebreaker. They're not really talking about anything. It's just, hmm. I guess, a way of seeing that you're on the same wavelength, and then you can discuss something else. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that, Paul. Really? I don't think the weather gets people so upset to the no, point no. where they start hating okay. each other. No. And shouting and screaming and, okay. and no, no, they won't yeah. talk to each other anymore. <laughs> no comparison is 100%, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying it's, be, it's become that banal. I, I don't think people are really thinking carefully about, about this. Well, these are the people that vote, aren't they? That's right. That's but I'll tell you, the people who don't listen to media, and I've talked about this years ago on my own show, mm-hmm. like my wife, wife too, she likes Trump even more than I do. And she's, really? Oh, she's, about, she's, well, she's very, very much more anti-feminist than I am, if there's such possible thing. A lot of people are values. They like Trump. They, you, I mean, you're sure he's not perfect, but that's another thing between our side and the left side. They're always looking for messiahs. And we understand that, you know, you know, God works through flawed vessels, if you will. <laughs> I, I know he's not an angel, but uh, you look at the results. And uh, so far, I'm happy with Trump, but you can't say that in Germany. I say it, but uh, many people, they won't talk about it. Interesting. Clank, we had some disturbing reports recently. Yes, yes, General. I uh, understand that things have not been going too well at the Russian front. But <laughs> the Fuhrer will think of something. He always does. <laughs> I'm not talking about the Russian front. I mean right here in this camp. Here in my camp? It may not be your camp much longer. I never joke. Our monitors have been picking up Allied broadcasts originating from Germany. Oh, that's an outrage. Now those men should be caught and put into a prison camp. We think they already are in a prison camp. This one. Here? (laughs) That is absurd and ridiculous. It is totally and completely impossible. What? I mean, it isn't very likely. How could anyone run a radio right under my nose? It would be the most obvious place. (laughs) Naturally, if such a radio is found here in camp operated by prisoners, it would be very unpleasant for you. You mean they might take my command away from me? I said unpleasant, not inconvenient. Colonel Hogan's barracks, nothing. That's it! Uh. That's where the signal is coming from. What's in that direction? Nothing, nothing, nothing at all, Herr General. Just some barracks, that's all. Excuse me, sir. 
check it again. Get over to Colonel Hogan immediately and tell him to get rid of that radio transmitter right away, if he has one. Jawohl, Herr Kommandant, to get rid of the radio transmitter right away. But, Herr Kommandant, what if he hasn't got one? <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Tell him to get one right away. Schultz, with my bare hands. I'm going, Herr Kommandant, I'm going. <laughs> now, Paul, I know um, the plans are in the works that you're going to revive what was formerly... VSI International, which will now become VSI Digest, which stands for Voice of the Sovereign Individual. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And that was your original show that you did on shortwave. Uh, how long ago was that now? That was 2012 and 2013 right. seasons, two seasons. And if anybody wants to listen to any of those episodes, they're all still available on Just Right's website at www.justrightmedia.org. You can find a button for VSI right there on the home page. Now, you're planning to uh, rejuvenate this show, and as part of that, you uh, have expanded our presence on WBCQ, shortwave. We now occupy an hour and a half time slot, and I know you haven't got started on your, your segment of it, but what's your plan in that regard? What, is it, what do you yeah. envisage? Right. Well, for the time being, as you know, we'll have uh, the Danielle Metz show right mm-hmm. after Just Right, and for now, there'll be two episodes of Danielle so I think just it'll all be from Just Right Media. Yeah. We occupy that slot now, thanks to you. That's my pleasure. And uh, we certainly would encourage other people listening to the show who like what they hear to contribute to the show as well, because it gives us a chance to get our word out there and reach more people. Now, for VSI Digest, uh, once that starts, uh, people who remember the old show, it'll be it'll be very much the same kind of thing, just much much more condensed, more information rich. Um, VSI. Uh, it was very different from Just Right in a way. It had a far more sort of intimate tone, just oh, yes. more directing. And, uh, and you use yeah. a lot more music. Yeah, there's and music. There's mm-hmm. musical interviews. Uh, we'll, we'll probably only have time for one song per show this time, but it's going to be the same sort of format. So if you liked the old show, I'm sure you like this one. Uh, the 15-minute the format uh, allows me to, you know, to do, I think, to continue with it far more reliably than the other one. And so we'll have a bit of a, a just right triple play every week. Oh, the that's flagship a- station and then uh, the flagship show. That's and awesome. Danielle and then VSI. In fact, just as you arrived, I was showing you some stats. Is that them there? That's right. Yeah. Uh, I just got them myself because um, we haven't talked about this on the show for a while. But since you started sponsoring us to be on shortwave, I, th- I don't think a lot of people realize the influence of shortwave because they think it's not, not even in existence. Unique visitors. Yeah, we're up to about 400,000 unique visitors now this year, up from 255,000 the year before, up from 93,000 the year before that, and then it just goes down to about 5,000 when we left CHRW, <laughs> right? So it gives you, an, uh, and, and that, that incline began for the week we started on WBCQ. So we have no other single thing that we can attribute that growth, that sudden growth to. We know there's some growth caused by, you know, Facebook advertising yeah. and things like that. It's organic but, from the but old But we were doing system. that before, mm-hmm. and we didn't get that kind of a, a rise. So, so I should point out, shortwave remains 
certainly the most cost-effective way of reaching the, the sort of audiences we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's generally, especially in Europe, I can say the sort of people who are on our side of the political spectrum, they're already listening already. They, 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 they listen to shortwave. Do they have to pay a, a fee like you do for TV? <laughs> yeah, well, in Germany, because it doesn't matter if you have a TV or not. Oh, right. No, but is there a shortwave fee <laughs> no, or, or, or a radio not, fee? Sorry. They're not particular for, okay. for that. But, uh, yeah, and... Uh, so, I, like I, I've told you earlier, I'm trying to rebrand it as high frequency radio, which is which it is, because yeah, people think, think like it's not everyone knows shortwave still exists. It's considered old fashioned, but uh, it remains. No, by high frequency, you're not referring to number of shows. You're referring to <laughs> the actual band. Well, I'm trying to imp- to improve both figures. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's, true. It's, it's a it's a higher a higher radio frequency. It's above the normal commercial AM medium wave band, and uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, even though many of the, the big national broadcasters no longer are on shortwave, the number of shortwave receivers sold the world just continues to increase all the time. So it's a bit of a silent movement, if you will. And I like to think it's people within the freedom movement generally who, right. are, who are picking it up. Now, I understand that uh, some stations, even like WBCQ, is, expan- is planning to expand. Well, they're, uh, yes, and very much so. And put more, um, what do they call them, transmission towers? Yeah, but they have another, uh, there's a transmitter I'm, that I'm sort of brokering for. It's on uh, 3265. But right now they've built an enormous uh, 500 kilowatt uh, transmitter. Now, to give you uh, some perspective, the ones they have now are only 50. And mm-hmm. even major broadcasters have only 100 or 250. So this is a major 500 kilowatt broadcaster should, or transmitter. It will transmit clearly to any country in the world you want. And uh, that has been a major project. No, I, I know Robert went out to buy, uh, he, he bought a shortwave mm-hmm. himself just so that we could hear what the show sounded like here in the London, Ontario region. And he just told us this week that this week's show, the, the hour and a half, sounded great. Perfect. There's the odd day when we get bad weather and and the signal shifts to the east or, or west and we might not get it as clearly, but somebody else is getting it yes, really clearly. Yeah, yes. And then there are days, as Robert said, it sounds like high definition, you know, the best quality sound you could possibly get, right? And that's right here in London, Ontario. I'm speaking from a signal that originates in Maine. That's right. Another thing I think people don't realize, too, is that the shortwave um, community, shall I call it, is every bit as much on in, online and on the internet as anyone else right. and, and that they have their communities there and that many of the shows while they're being broadcast on shortwave are also being streamed online and i don't know how many people know about this part of it because i'm still learning I, i'm i'm totally this is still totally new <laughs> to me i'm, I'm shocked this yeah. is even happening but apparently, if you don't have a shortwave receiver, you can still pick up shortwave, go online, and there are places, sites that actually have a connection to a shortwave tower. They provide you with the tuner on your, yes, on right. your screen, tuner and you literally mm-hmm. can tune in stations as if you had your own radio. It's not like anything else is interfering with that signal. That's right. So if it's bad reception, you're going to get bad reception, even on your computer. Right. Oh, the other thing I just wanted to mention the shortwave channel 292 from, you know, they, they broadcast out of Ingolstadt, Germany. That's right. That signal gets picked up as far away as Australia. Yes. And, and, and they're get, only 10 kilowatts, too. That, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And we get people from Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one fellow who writes us. He sits in, in Moscow. 
in front of the Kremlin there <laughs> with his little portable listening to Just Right Radio. Yes. On, on, I just can't believe it. And uh, I don't know how cut off is Russia from the regular Internet, because some people who write us from Russia seem to have to go through a second channel to get through to us. By they, email. They might, I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's consistent. I don't know. Technically, they, they've caught up to us, but it, I don't know if it's a censorship rule. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking that. it might be. I, I don't think they're technically any no, no. worse off than, than we are. But it was interesting just, to just see mind. our logo on, someone got it through to us, yes, our I've logo on a, Russian, on, a Russian. on a Russian website yeah. with Russian written on it. Uh, not offering a link to our show, but offering the time and date and everything when it broadcasts on a certain frequency on shortwave. So that gives you an idea of how far that signal still reaches. And shortwave is still a big thing for a lot of people. But I guess we in North America are totally wired in. And I wonder if people will start looking at this medium a little differently given so much of the something I never thought we'd ever be dealing with, you know, online censorship, mm -hmm. right, that takes place. Oh, it, but it's, it's even worse than that. Just, oh, what, I'll, what I'll mention is that, uh, now, of course, in principle, I, I don't really like the idea of governments having brought national, international broadcasting at taxpayer expense. A lot of them have been closed down, especially like BBC is very limited today. VOA, there's really no more Radio Australia, New Zealand, Radio Canada isn't on uh, mm -hmm. shortwave anymore. But... Countries like China, Iran, Russia, and Cuba, they're still very much on shortwave. And so there are parts of the world that rely on shortwave, parts of Africa and parts mm -hmm. of India, South America. They've got nothing but shortwave. And so they're relying on these other countries for an international news, and they aren't getting a more Anglo-Saxon perspective. And so, like I said, while in principle I, I don't support government radio, I do recognize anyway that this could be somewhat problematic that they aren't getting that view. So it's up to people like us to have our view and broadcast it on shortwave. Mm -hmm. you know, so as the national broadcasters cut off, it's up to other people to take up the reins and continue shortwave. So there is more of a balanced view reaching these people in the other parts of the world. Well, shortwave was certainly a big thing during World War II. Mm -hmm. And I know in Germany, <laughs> if you look back at history, they were really strict about who could have a shortwave radio because they didn't want them to be getting news from England and from other... Oh, you could be uh, executed yeah. if you yes, caught listening was, to BBC or something. Stuff. Even the young kids. Uh, yeah. Well, Paul, thank you for joining us. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? I can't believe this hour has just zipped by. Now, I just want to mention that uh, while we've been away from Canada so long and have come back, I want to thank everyone in the London area and stores for being so kind and showing good service. And as much as we complain about the way the world's going, there's still a lot of good hearts here in Ontario. And I'm happy to return anytime. Great. Well, hopefully we'll hear from you again. And make sure you let us know next time you visit. Yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> So before your government wants to execute you for listening to shows like this, be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Some kind of directional beam. Well, there's nothing here, no use wasting our time. <laughs> Colonel Hogan, stand aside. That footlocker contains private property. He's just protecting his privacy, sir. For the last time, get away from that footlocker. Okay, but under protest. Okay.
open the foot locker. Yes, sir. I told you so. No radio, no radio. Care for a cup of coffee? It's the real stuff. Perhaps a small cup. It has been a long time since... Schultz! Now you know the rules about cooking in the barracks. There will be severe punishment for this. Yes, sir, I don't stand for any monkey shines. Thanks, will you? Shut up. Yes, sir, I certainly will. Oh, shut up. Yes, sir. I don't understand it. I was sure it was a radio signal we were picking up. It never failed before. Oh, sir, I, I wouldn't call that a failure. It's a marvelous machine for tracking down coffee pots. 